Yeah, that makes sense. We're live. Hey, Paolo, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on, man. It's it's uh, it's honestly a privilege and a pleasure. Every time I talk to you know people like yourself, I just get disproportionately smarter, and I feel like I walk away with such an excellent insight without you know paying the the billable hours that your clients have to pay. So I'm just yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful for your time and you know for for people that don't know you and I'll I'll do a obviously a terrible job but introducing you and you yeah, feel feel free to jump in and fill in the blanks but you know you've uh, you've been the in the agency world in the marketing space you know for for over a decade you know really working with brands like No Days Off you know uh, Beyond Footwear Rally Beer um, you know Urban Beer Basic Maintenance among others obviously you know been in the past part of No Fixed Address. Uh, agency uh, that worked with both large and small brands and more recently started your own agency called uh, Old Foes. Uh, and you are actively in the market helping, you know, niche DTC brands with the, uh, you know, with marketing and advertising. And so excited to have you on board. What, what did I miss in that introduction? What else should people know about you? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Over the last like almost decade or so it's been a bit of a whirlwind yeah like started in traditional media like was not was not in d2c well i kind of started in digital but that was when we used to light gate and do crazy things on facebook and build apps to like microsites and then got into to mass media but yeah foes is a, a pretty exciting venture um that we've just launched it's like just over over a month old uh, but yeah, very different working with, you know, a basic maintenance, very different than Tim Hortons, Nike or Hotels.com. So it's been uh, it's been an adjustment. It's been a, a decade of learning, but a lot of fun. And no, that, that intro was way too, way too gracious. I don't think I'm yeah. <laughs> You deserve every bit of it. So, I mean, you know, maybe it's just, you know, let's let's dive right into it. And, you know, from like an eagle, you know, eagle view, um, you know, what what has changed in the in the landscape of marketing you know let's call it in, in the last two years you know before covid and then post covid and i know there's a lot of you know you know um individual events that happened you know I, ios change for you know that uh, you know obliterated facebook in some ways and you know new platforms launched and emerged like you know clubhouse and tiktok really took you know that center stage for a little while uh in terms of attention and even advertising for tiktok but curious kind of like to hear your thoughts on, you know, what was the landscape of marketing, uh, you know, before the pandemic in your, you know, in your own point of view and how did that change? How, you know, what, what stopped working, what started working, you know, what, what did you feel from a marketer's perspective, uh, uh, you know, since the pandemic and, and, you know, as of today? It's, it's a big, a big question. I'm going to, I'm going to try to tackle it in, in a few chunks. Um, I mean, prior to COVID, I think marketers had become lazy. Uh, and I'd say agency side and, and client side as well. On the D2C front, you know, the math was put a dollar into Facebook, get five out, rinse and repeat. Here are some best practices. Uh, go at it. Obviously, iOS 14 was a massive, massive, uh, like, change uh for anyone like on the digital platforms not just facebook but i think more broadly it, it impacts us on on our crms and, and collecting first party data there as well uh but also the fact that traditional media outlets became far less attractive like why would you be doing out of home tsa's transit when everyone's online so you had a rush of advertisers you know adjusting spend and moving it into into digital channels 
So there was this, you know, this big influx. If we look at, you know, the, there's that chart, e-commerce adoption rate was sitting somewhere in the U.S. in, in the low teens, uh, like almost hits 30 percent in, in the first few months. Like the world, the world changed uh, with COVID. And it's yeah, like a whatever. Yeah, obviously. Duh. Uh, but for marketers, I think we've been lazy and not smart over the past decade. Digital uh, you know, I had this partner at, at Deloitte and he's like, it's not about, you know, doing digital, but it's about being digital. And, and at that, that line really resonates with me because digital is a part of everything we do today. And I don't think enough clients, businesses, marketers are sitting there and understanding the full funnel, not just from a digital perspective, but how their product experience, customer experience, and digital channels all should be working together. And there's a lot of stories we can be telling, and there's a lot of different things we could be talking about. So I think we had a lot of baggage of marketers understanding you know, what was available to them prior to COVID. I think everyone jumped into the channels. And then you had new platforms that just exploded, TikTok, um, and, and the TikTok platform as something we can buy ads on is still relatively new, kind of similar to Snapchat in a sense where everyone's like, oh, my God, there's these teens and young people on this platform. How do we how do we you know, use it, leverage it, get in front of them? So there's that element to it. Uh, but then you're talking about Clubhouse, which to me is is interesting. It's, you know, live audio is 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 almost a, a net new platform, regardless if it's Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces or any competitor. Uh, I think audio has become vogue again. People are like, oh my God, we need to be on podcasts. We need to get on these networks. And I'm like, you're basically talking about radio. Like when you do like a sponsorship <laughs> and they're doing these things, people are talking about like, oh, it's this new thing. It's it's a station read. And if you have the experience in the industry and, and you kind of work through these programs, yeah, it's a different medium, so to speak, but you're giving them, you know, kind of the same content, a radio personality or a podcast host is reading it back. So, you know, I, I listen to Pivot, Scott Galloway, uh, Kara yep. Swisher, and, and you sit there, they do these things. And I'm like, oh my God, like these guys are doing radio spots. And like, I laugh in my head because I'm thinking of it like in that traditional sense, but it's the same thing. So I, I think there's been a lot of changes, but we're seeing some of that old stuff become new again uh, in, in some of these channels as well. And obviously, a lot of people were trapped at home, and you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny because you know, as as marketers, you know, we we always chase people, you know, make sure that you know we can grab their attention, and it was reasonably easier to do that, you know, during the pandemic when everybody was quote unquote stuck at home and you know had you know just more attention to spend. Do you see do you see any decline in the like advertising effectiveness, you know, since people? you know, came, came out of their, you know, came out of their apartments and got back to, you know, business as usual, their lives as usual. Have you seen any, you know, decline in, in, in how your campaigns, how your marketing campaigns were, you know, are performing now, now that people are, you know, more or less back to their, back to their normal life. And they're again, commuting to work and they're spending less time in front of their computer, maybe check, checking Facebook a, a bit less, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, are, are again, kind of like out and about, not necessarily, you know, stuck at home. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes and no, right? I think there's obviously the macro picture that like things have changed. And, and what did those things mean? Rising interest rates, 
means that you know you're and and what's going on it, with inflation purchasing power cost of living is going up we're seeing rents going up we're seeing you know uh, even though gas prices have come down we've seen you know services increase in cost we've seen food so share of wallet you know if your purchasing power is declining you're gonna you know do something else you're seeing you know the bottom has fallen out of furniture so there's a ton of clients uh, you know, our businesses in, in furniture, the, the EQ3s, the crate and barrels, the, the articles of the world that couldn't keep stuff stocked, couldn't get it from their manufacturing centers in Asia, like to North America fast enough uh, during the pandemic because everyone's living at home. Everyone had this money to spend. So mm -hmm. there's there's like this weird like counterbalance and it's just a, a rebalancing of the wallet in, in my opinion, so to speak, where naturally that's gonna come when you have a drastic switch from one side and then kind of the opening up of the other. We're starting to see, you know, CPI and some some metrics and core inflation or a part of inflation or CPI go down at the same time, you know, wages are up and, and things like that. So it like there's that broader macro. But then when you're talking about advertising effectiveness, this has been a major challenge since iOS 14. And, you know, as the pandemic's gone on, some clients are getting hit harder than others. There's some that are still having, you know, great campaigns, some, some more mature businesses that have been able to scale and reinvest mm -hmm. uh, that money are doing well. Well, others kind of took that money, didn't reinvest it. And by reinvesting, I mean, scaling spend, you know, creating new ad assets or investing in better digital infrastructure. Those businesses, I think, are are going to be challenged because we continue to see, you know, what's winning is your ability to collect first party data, your ability to then leverage that first party data and then kind of parlay that back into repeat purchases or things like that. Mm -hmm. So broadly, I think the consumer today is a bit, you know, kind of on the fence job security for a lot of people, it, like people are like, oh, am I going to have a job? Should I be spending this money? You know, my cost of living is going up. I'm seeing rents in Toronto, a, a one bedroom plus den with parking, 2,600 bucks. You know, that's, that's up. <laughs> tell me all pretty, about it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me all about it. 577 square feet, you know, 26, $2,600 a month. But why, why is that happening? Interest rates are going up an investor or someone who owns that property is going to pass that that cost along that means if someone's moving into it and they're paying three four hundred dollars more it's three hundred four hundred dollars more a month they're not like going to have in disposable income so what are they going to do are they going to go out and put things on credit or are they going to take out a lot of credit like how are they going to you know spend their money they're probably not gonna you know on some of these like you know, fluffy purchases, a new pair of shoes, like, you know, expensive face creams, things like that, They're, they might not um, be keen to buy those things right now. So it's, it's, it's an odd environment, you have a lot of things going on, some businesses are doing well, some some are struggling, that's kind of the mm -hmm. way the world works. Um, but there's a lot of different components that I think are, are making that up. But add effectiveness, broadly like hey you can you can find media efficiencies you can increase your click rates you can do all those things but is that leading to more sales that's that's really the question and and client by client it's it's a, you get a different answer yeah and in terms of rising apartment uh you know costs especially in toronto i mean I, I i can also add to that by saying a lot of that has a lot to do with the uh with, you know, the ongoing war kind of in Ukraine, a lot of, you know, uh, immigrants coming over and I am uh, very much a contributor to, I'm, I'm originally from Ukraine. So my family actually just arrived to, to Canada 
on a refugee visa, which was very, you know, very timely. But also you can imagine, you know, if, if you know, 500,000 people, you know, arrive in one month, they have to live somewhere. And I'm pretty sure that is also driving a lot of those costs up. Uh, although, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a person, you know, that, that, that lived, you know, in Ukraine, you know, majority of my life, actually, before coming to Canada, you know, I can appreciate, uh, you know, being in Toronto. Um, I wanted to talk to you. So now that you've mentioned the, the iOS update, maybe, maybe we can, you know, um, um, maybe we can riff on this just a little bit. And, you know, I have a two-part question, but let's start with, you know, what is that update? For people that just never heard of it, uh, you know, they, they're, they're coming into the game today. They're explore, exploring Facebook uh, as a platform to advertise. You know, what was that change that everybody talks about that, you know, everybody kind of keeps anchoring their, their misfortunes to? Why, why was that such a big event? Can you talk to us specifically about that, that update? I'll keep it uh, super high level, but the crux of it is the ability for advertisers to track consumer behavior either through an app or after like like post click has has changed pretty dramatically. Um, Apple asking users to opt into tracking and giving users app by app ability to do that is is challenging because a lot of these services, you know, a lot of these apps are free and they make money by reselling this data, right? So you kind of sit there and be like, well, I don't want to be tracked. I don't want to, you know, have these things that, you know, are tracking me. It's so nefarious. But at the end of the day, people really don't understand how the data is cleansed, how, you know, it's, it, there's no personal identifiable information kind of being passed around. So it, it's kind of interesting on one side, app tracking sounds super scary. On the mm -hmm. other side, it's not nearly as bad. Yes, there are privacy concerns. We have to um, obviously like manage those concerns and, you know, treat customers and people with respect. We don't want, you know, Facebook, like kind of knowing everything, but there's a trade-off between paying for a service and, and having these services for free. So broadly, our ability to track and attribute, you know, after a click has become very challenged. Um, so that's the iOS 14 and a few of the, the other privacy updates in a nutshell. One thing that I think is very important to mention is Apple goes out, shoots a volley across the bow of Facebook. At the same time, everyone and their brother knows that Apple is building their own ad product. So you kind of sit there and say, okay, Apple's gone out and made it difficult for advertisers across multiple different platforms, not just, just Facebook, difficult to attribute sales and ROAS and all these things as they're going and they hired and then fired, uh, you know, someone who helped build the monetization engine, the ad engine of Facebook. So you sit there and you're just like, you know, what's really like the thing that you guys are going to have a privacy led, mm -hmm. you know, ad platform. So that's to be seen what Apple uh, ends up rolling out if they do end up rolling out uh, an ad platform. But we know mm -hmm. they're in the services business. We know they make the majority of the revenue through through services, iCloud, you know, having yep. all these, you know, Apple Music there. They want to be a reoccurring revenue business. Uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be entering the ad market with uh, a tool mm -hmm. that we'll all have to use eventually. And that's that's not that's not clear yet. But so and that's on iOS, you know, devices. So that's Mac and iPhone and you know tablet. But did did that affect you know um, 
uh, Android devices at all. Like, you know, if you are predominantly targeting, you know, Android users, have you seen any change in that? Potentially more people went to that platform because of the issue on, on iOS. But what, what did that affect uh, Android in any way? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting because Google is kind of doing their own thing with privacy and has their own, you know, POV on, on what that's going to look like. I very rarely now, like I've done it before for a specific client. I very rarely on Facebook target Android users only mm -hmm. um, for, for a lot of reasons. Android is a great platform. I think you have, when you're talking about like the iPhone versus Android, there's some like broad assumptions you can make about the user base. Uh, Apple iPhones very much are considered like a luxury or status item still. Mm. Whereas like Android is like, uh, you have such a variety of, of, of people using it because of the cost. And like, depending on the market too, in India, you can buy like a fully functioning, you know, phone for 50 to a hundred dollars us. Whereas like North America, most people are on the low end spending like 200 to $300 on a mm -hmm. phone. But you know, an iPhone, like the iPhone 14 is like 1400 bucks. Right. right. And like a flagship Samsung is there too, but like an unlocked like A20 or whatever the mid range Samsung is like 600 bucks, right? So mm -hmm. you have such a different socioeconomic band on Android and that's great and, and really interesting uh, for marketers to talk to. And there's a lot of great Google ad products to use. The performance max campaigns are super interesting um, as you know, as, as a, as a tool to, to reach audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think that, um, you know, iOS 14 is kind of led the charge in mm -hmm. terms of privacy changes. Whereas like, we're starting to see them roll out across, you know, any, any major tech players kind of had their own mm -hmm. uh, point of view on what privacy is going to look like. And what about the Google ad platform? So the AdWords and, you know, kind of like YouTube ads and, you know, other, other types of, uh, you know, ad offerings were they also affected equally by the iOS change. So meaning if I'm on the, on, on iPhone and, you know, I'm not on Facebook, so I'm not consuming Facebook ads, but I am, you know, searching and, uh, or, or on YouTube, have you seen the same decline in, you know, both ad effects? And yeah, I guess that's, that's the question really is, you know, were they equally affected or was Facebook much more affected? I think Facebook was was the easy target and it's it's something everyone talks about, but it's hit us on email, like the way iOS now records, you know, like our, our open rates on email, mm. like that's like, there's like all the, the nuance to like whatever piece of tech you're using, you have to figure out like, are your numbers, like are your attribution numbers correct? Mm -hmm. Like, like how's your tech? Like all of that stuff kind of comes into question because Apple has continually changed how it's going to protect a user's privacy from these big bad marketers and brands and and i want to like full out come out and say like what apple has done hasn't hurt facebook as much as it's hurt small business and medium-sized businesses because these businesses are now sitting there being like well my ads are less effective or i'm not able to 
to attribute my spend. And these are like small mom and pop brands, the urban beards of the world to, you know, these brands that are starting to come out and launch out. These are small businesses and entrepreneurs. This isn't just Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, oh, his billions of dollars. This is the advertisers and marketers aren't just the Nikes of the world. They're D2C brands that are just getting out of the crib and learning how to walk. And now that, you know, the playbook has been completely switched on them, right? So it's, there's, there's a lot of things. You have to be smarter with your CRM. You have to be, you know, when you're thinking of Google, you know, like, you know, is, is Google still as effective? You know, I, I'm seeing the cost for a lot of my clients mm -hmm. going up on that platform as well. So it, there's just a lot of challenges here. And I'm just not a media buyer. I, I can do it. I would say like, I'm probably 70, if you know, a media buyer, mm -hmm. someone who's at like, my seniority is like at 100%. I'm like 70% of the way there. I know how to do it. I'm on the platforms actively. I know how they work intimately. But I look at, at marketing from not just like this full funnel, but like from what are we talking about in terms of product customer experience and how are we communicating either like a product or a brand message in market, right? So we have a lot of things that we've been dealing with over the past year, you know, privacy updates, inflation, having to communicate price changes, mostly in increases in prices and, and talking to entrepreneurs and other businesses has been like pulling teeth to be like, Hey guys, like your, your unit economics are getting worse. You know, our CPMs have gone up, you know, like cost per acquisition doubled lat like, you know, you're going through all of these massive changes and saying, Hey, like, you, you know, you're, you got to raise prices, you know, your yeah. input costs are going up, your market, like your cost of doing business is going up. We have to make some changes or we just won't be profitable. So there's been a lot of very difficult conversations um, with a lot of clients and a lot of mm -hmm. friends in the industry being like, Hey, you, you need to have this difficult conversation or else you're just kicking a really difficult decision for the client, you know, down the road. Yeah, I've heard raising prices, you know, particularly to kind of offset the uh, not not just the ad advertising kind of cost, but also everything you know that that goes into the cost of goods and shipping and you know inflation. You mentioned at the very beginning, right, rising interest rates. You know, I've heard that that's a that's a very hard decision to make. It's very scary to 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 you know reach out to your long-standing con consumers and say, look, you know, we we have to. You know, offset our costs by 10, 15 percent. Otherwise, we can't we can't operate. Uh, but from from my understanding, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really good decision. And you know, usually it comes. You know, I'll, you don't see much change on the other end, meaning that you know you're still as profitable as you were, maybe even more profitable at the expense of slightly you know less revenue, but still your you know your business is in a better shape. Um, you know, after the price increase, so definitely a discussion on its own. Maybe we can you know, have a panel or, you know, in the future and talk about, you know, the, the price change and, and strategy uh, around pricing the product. Um, but, you know, just to kind of wrap up this, you know, sp specific uh, discussion about the, the Facebook ad. So is it really the, um, the attribution or is it the effectiveness, right? So like, I guess what I'm trying to understand is, is it that we're just perceive it to do worse or is it actually having, you know, real challenges reaching the right people? And so, you know, the clicks and everything are, are or is it both, right? So I guess, you know, what I'm trying to understand is should we just continue, if, if, if a company, you know, one of your clients had a strategy was working, you know, should they just leave it and kind of, you know, ignore the numbers kind of like jumping on up and down, knowing that, you know, behind the scenes it's still reaching, you know, same customers, you know, pretty well. Or is it really that, you know, the technology is not able to deliver that ad as effectively 
as it used to. And, you know, we should potentially, you know, look for, for other avenues uh, to diversify that breach. What, what are your thoughts? I think it's a little column A, column B, right? You know, Google is sunsetting universal analytics, GA4, server-side tracking. There's a lot of changes coming on, on their end uh, so that they can get smarter. Um, and, and advertisers and clients, you know, we're beating the drum. In a year, you will not have access to your data. You're not going to be able to do year-over-year -year comparisons. You need to move the switch. You need to move over to GA4 immediately. Like, Here's the drop dead date if you miss it. By the way, there's a cost. There's a cost to implement these changes. If you don't do this, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be in trouble. I think Facebook has been pretty smart to say, hey, listen, there's changes you need to make to your pixel configurations. You know, you need to, you know, if if you have a dev, have access to a dev, you can go in, you know, do custom tagging mm -hmm. to events. There's there's some things you can do to mitigate this. But I think it's a bit of column A, column B. I think tracking, Facebook always changes who you can target and, and whatever. I think Facebook is still a really great platform uh, for reaching a broad audience. If you're looking to build brand awareness and, and do prospecting and traffic campaigns, things like that, that's great. I think when you get lower into the funnel, that's where it's a bit of a dog's breakfast, depending on where you're at as a brand, as a business, the maturity, all of that kind of stuff. Like for a, a a business trying to find product market fit, it is very challenging, I think now, whereas before Facebook would just like find the people and you put a dollar and get five back, mm. broadly speaking, right? Now it's a bit more challenging. What I think is super important is that marketers need to understand that consumer behavior, people understand and, and like advertising. It, it's a crazy concept. Maybe like, oh, I fucking hate advertising. And and they do in some instances. YouTube's worst ad product is the five to 15 second unskippable ad. Like they just like, they like advertisers need like a button to click. I do not want this to show up because it drives consumers nuts. But uh, I'll use an example. I was talking to a female friend of mine. Uh, she just bought this like vintage Gucci purse. And I'm like, how did you find out about it? First question, like, how do you find mm -hmm. out better? Oh, well, I saw an ad for this business. I didn't buy it then, but I started following them on Instagram. And then, you know, I saw this thing they posted on a story, and then I bought it. Facebook mm -hmm. is never going to attribute that sale. You're well without, like, outside the attribution window. But someone was building brand awareness. Someone then clicked on it. They followed the brand. So you got to have to think of like what you're trying to do on each platform, right? And people are like, oh my God, Facebook knows me so well. It's because we give Facebook information in the form of our behavior. You know, I started hanging out with someone who has an English bulldog. I've been sending them English bulldog memes. Now my feed is mostly Yorkies and English Bulldogs. Why is that? I'm engaging with a specific type right. of animal on the platform. It figures it out. It's the same thing for brands. You know, people's discover page and search mm -hmm. on Instagram is telling of the content they engage in. Why? Because the algorithms are there. They understand, you know, what we're engaging in and they're going to serve up more. It's the same thing. I started looking in, and learning more about headless, you know, e-commerce solutions, looking from the content side, all this kind of stuff. 
what am I getting a lot of now? A lot of SaaS based Instagram ads, like for <laughs> white papers and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, eating it up. I'm, I'm downloading them. I'm reading them. I'm getting retargeted with more and different mm -hmm. ones. So the algorithms, and I think I was telling my friend who's a media buyer, I'm like Facebook's video algorithm. And like, I'm talking Facebook. I'm not talking about Instagram. I'm not talking right, about right. You know, another platform they're putting a lot of eggs into making their platform better at understanding. I can tell you what I'm watching on Facebook these days. It's, it's better than TV. You, they get you with like this, how it's made. They got like all this crazy stuff in there. So the, the platform is improving. Um, but we'll see kind of where that nets out for a lot of advertisers. I think it's still challenging. We're still trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, Broadly, month to month, some months we can do really well on a lower funnel conversion tactic, like an ad to cart. Other months it will shoot up and you got to figure out, okay, have we, have we worn out our ad creative? Is it an offer issue or is it post-click experience? I think mm -hmm. post-click experience is something most marketers try not to think about, but then always want to blame like or like not having an offer or whatever you know you and i have talked about you know what is a real discount is 15 percent even a discount for dtc brands anymore or is that just table stakes to get someone into your system right so you know we we, we there's a lot of things um that are impacting effectiveness and and attribution so it, it's kind of on each of us to, to work with our clients to figure it out gotcha no i appreciate that um I wanted to shift gears and maybe talk talk more about you know give give value to customers. There's actually two two big themes that I want to touch you know touch on before we uh, wrap up the podcast. Uh, and they're you know they're 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 big enough on its own. So I think you know that's, it's going to take until the end to you know properly unwrap those. One is you know really kind of give value and 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 share with you know kind of like entrepreneurs you know DTC brands you know how how they should be thinking about you know starting you know, advertising various platforms, when, when is the right time to do that? That's kind of like the first question, you know, let's let, I'll, I'll unpack that in the, in the minute. And then the second bigger theme is, you know, we, you know, we're, you, you're fortunate enough not to just work with, you know, one brand or one company, but you've seen it all, right. You, you know, you work with a variety of brands, you've been part of m multiple agencies, you have, you know, had an agency before, and then now you have, you know, uh, kind of continued on that path of, you know, uh, being your own boss and, and 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 working with multiple companies, so you know closer to kind of the end of the discussion, we really just want to you know uh, focus on different you know kind of like overlapping themes um, that you're seeing um, you know when working with multiple brands, whether that's in different categories or same categories. But I would love to learn you know what what you sort of seeing that works for them currently, what doesn't work anymore. Maybe some of the some of the takeaways that you can you know possibly share with the audience. Uh, but let's start with the, uh, you know, with the actual, you know, uh, question of when is the right time to start kind of like the paid marketing, kind of like the advertising, so, you know, side of things. You know, we, you know, I, I talked to, you know, about a part of paper stack and, you know, it's me being, you know, super fortunate to meet hundreds and hundreds of e-commerce merchants of all shapes and sizes. Some of them are solopreneurs in their kitchens, garages you know, their basements kind of, you know, growing a small bootstrap business, no media uh, budget, but just really a lot of organic posting and email. And, you know, they're wondering, you know, should I be kind of like, you know, introducing, uh, you know, paid advertising into the mix. And then on the other, you know, end of the spectrum, you know, multi-million, you know, seven, seven figure businesses that are, 
you know, actively, actively, you know, maybe investing in one platform, maybe they're selling on one platform, they're looking to grow. Curious to hear your thoughts and maybe kind of, you know, um, anchor your answer towards the first group, which is like the earlier stage companies. But, you know, talk to me about the, the, the thought process around, you know, um, uh, around start starting to use tools like Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, anything like that. When is the right time? You know, what's the right budget? What do you recommend to your customers in terms of, you know, the minimums, the consistency, you know, any, any thoughts, any thoughts on that? Like, how do you usually, you know, work with customers when they, when they come to you and they say, I want to, I want to start advertising. I think the, it, it starts with understanding is, do you have the right infrastructure to, to capture the value of your ad spend? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a seven figure business or an entrepreneur who's bootstrapped and is only going to spend a thousand dollars. It's like, is your, is your CMS ready? Is your e-commerce experience ready? What's your post-click experience? Like you have to think about like, what is the objective? A lot of people look at an awareness campaign, like, oh my God, why am I not making sales? That's not the objective of an awareness campaign to build brand awareness. I want to burn the hell out of a piece of creative. I want to hit a frequency between four and like nine or more before I even consider that, that I need to swap out creative. Right. And a lot of these people are spending, you know, 10, 15 bucks a day on an ad set or on a campaign. So it takes a really long time to get there. Right. So you have to sit there and you got to say, okay, like, what are we trying to achieve? So my, my first thing is, you know, what's your runway? What's, what's your unit economics? What is this going to look like? And you do some back napkin math, say, listen, like our CPAs might be around $12. They could be 30. Like, would you be profitable at a $30 cost per acquisition? Mm -hmm. um, with a like, and all these kind of things, a lot of times you're thinking about like, no. And I'm like, okay, then don't, don't even consider this. You know, there's a lot of things I've, I've worked with you and, and, and consulted with you previously. I said, you know, here, here are the three wins for this business. We need to focus on retail distribution. We need to hammer the crap out of our CRM and, and work at getting better on this. And let's focus on X, Y, and Z. You sit there and it, it, it's really got to be tailored. So the decision to go on to paid media is really one about the unit economics of the business. Uh, but also kind of where they are in terms of their cash runway. And I look at it and say a lot of businesses can't afford not to be on digital. You know, if you go spend $20,000 and that's like a reasonable amount of money to build a, a really great e-commerce and you have to know who to call because, you know, you can pick, there's a lot of great agencies out there, but you know, the good, better, best is $50,000, or $100,000 for a great Shopify website. I know I can bring those costs way down because I, I have the relationships with the developers and, and with platform exports. And I know enough to, to help build those experiences for less, but you got to sit there and you got to say, okay, like, do you have a great e-commerce experience? Is it selling? Is it working? You know, or is, is everything ready to go? If you just want to bootstrap something and try to drop ship, like it would not get on Facebook. But if, if you're kind of like in this phase where you're building a business, building a business that you want to scale and you've made that investment in platform, you have to understand now's the time to start testing. Who is your core audience? A lot of people think it's X, but then it's Y. And I'll give you a great example. We did a campaign for Mother Parkers and we were doing recyclable K-cups. 
and they thought that they're in and they're marketing in the US and they thought that their you know number one customer was going to be you know white liberals in cities that you know love you know the environment they're like democrats and all this stuff and what they we started to learn very quickly in the data was that it was this duck dynasty the 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 hunters and the the people that go hunting cuz they're conservationists they know that like they live off the land that like you know, pollution is bad. These people were actually some of the ones that had like a propensity to click through and learn more and then end up buying. That changed our perception, right? But the only way we were able to figure that out was to go out and test. And we needed to go test that. So I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses, if you're if you're making like $10,000, $15,000 a month in your D2C store and you're not on Facebook, you do have to look at saying, okay, how am I going to spend two to $3,000 a month for the next few months to figure this out? You know, and, and then say like, how much am I going to spend at each part of the funnel? How much am I going to spend on awareness? How much am I going to spend on engagement? How much am I going to spend on, you know, the conversion or consideration phase? And you got to look at it and structure it with, you know, awareness ad, engagement ads, and, you know, traffic ads. And a lot of that's going to help you figure out, you know, what, what messaging works you know, uh, what creative works best. And there's a lot of best practice you can look at, but you have to kind of go through these steps and then figure out, okay, this is who I should be talking to. This is how I should be talking to them. And, and this is what's either leading to the best, you know, conversion outcome that I'm targeting for, whether that be a revenue target, lead generation, whatever those things are, you know, kind of ahead of, you know, a high CPM event like Black Friday, Cyber Monday or the holiday season. You know, now is the time that we're doing a lot of lead gen for clients, bringing them into the CRM, you know, nurturing them so that when we do have a sale, you know, we've maybe paid, you know, an eight eight dollar CPM and, you know, a dollar cost per lead. And then we're going to try to convert them with, you know, something like a promotion that's going to cost us 10, 15 bucks. So our cost per acquisition when they do make that purchase is going to be less than if we had to run it through like the regular campaign. So there's all these things you kind of need to figure out. Um, but kind of broadly speaking, it's, you know, what can you afford? And then do you have someone that can walk you through? Because, you know, a lot of people are experts in their product or in their business. They might not be an expert on Facebook or on Google. And Google is a platform where I love it, but it's expensive because it's that lower part of the consideration funnel. Facebook, amazing for driving brand awareness. Google, people are looking best face creams, best beard oils, best shoes for golf. You know, that's, you know, people are, are looking to make a purchase there. They're lower in, in the funnel there. So it, it's kind of hard. I think for a mature business, you have to be on every platform. Uh, you know, if you're, and, and people are like, oh, every platform, I'm like, you got to understand B2B buyers in, in some, in, in most industries are looking for B2C experiences and I'm getting ads, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm all these things. I use Instagram. So if you want to reach me and talk about, mm. you know, SMS marketing or blah, 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 blah. You should reach me on the platform of influence, which is Instagram for me. So it's and, and a lot of these B2B businesses are like, wait, why would I be advertising on Instagram? I should be on LinkedIn. It's like, do you not think that your your procurement team is like for these businesses isn't on Instagram? So you kind of have to, you know, 
figure out kind of what that strategy is for the business. So whether it doesn't matter if you're selling like a D2C product or you're building, you know, a SaaS based startup, you really have to think of like who you're trying to reach and what's going to be the most efficient platform to reach them. Because LinkedIn is its own beast in terms of media buying and you're going to pay a massive cost per lead. But those same people on LinkedIn are on Facebook. So you just kind of have to figure out like, oh, like maybe, yeah, LinkedIn is a channel of influence and we should care about it. But how do we leverage Facebook to build awareness? And yeah, we could still bring them into Salesforce or whatever pipe drive or any of these other CRMs you're using um, to, you know, hit a business objective. So it's simply put about the unit economics, about your cash runway and about figuring out how much money you can set aside. I don't think it makes sense to spend $500 a month on Facebook. You have to be looking at something more meaningful. You can mm -hmm. spend $500 on an ad set or a campaign that does something very specific um, or to test a, a few different things. But if you're, if you're doing something for two or three days a month, like it's, it's just not worth it. You have to be there. You have to commit and you have to invest the time. No, that, that, that makes sense. And actually I was, I was hoping to get a bit more tactical. Maybe you can share with you like one or two specific products because, sure. you know, Facebook is not, it, you know, um, even what you said about like the pre-roll ads, like those are well, a lot of definitions that I don't personally understand. So I'd love to learn from you, but maybe you can get more specific. Like, you know, if you are an entry level, you know, um, you know, advertiser kind of getting into the game, you know, you should consider, you know, Google text ads or like these, you know, um, uh, search ads in, in a text format. If you're a little bit more advanced, maybe we're going to like shopping, you know, ads. Like, can, can you give a few examples of what our, our, you know, early stage e-commerce branch can, can look at in terms of specific products they can use? Let me let me fire up uh, Facebook Business Manager and we'll do this live. I won't share my screen because it will be proprietary data there. But I just did this for for another one of the clients that I work with. Uh, I won't name them. Uh, I always forget them. They might have inspired the name of my latest business. We'll leave it at that. Um, so what we've done with them is we uh, have done a lot of audience testing. We've primed the pixel. We have some data. We we kind of know what works in terms of creative, in terms of messaging, in terms of audience. So what I've decided to do is we're running a super efficient uh, brand awareness campaign. I'm really happy with the performance there. Our audience testing and traffic campaign has done well. So now I want to bring people um, a little lower down into still doing some prospecting. I want to I want to figure out exactly what's working for two different products we're marketing. Um, I'm not going to say what the products are because then I'll give it away. So I decided to run a traffic campaign uh, with two ad sets based on a lookalike audience at 95% video views. So what we've been doing is we've been running a lot of dynamic ads in our traffic testing campaign to test which of our video assets is generating, you know, the, the, the most engagement, the most watches, all that kind of stuff, like how, and like views to completion. These are the metrics I'm looking at also like, you know, what, what the algorithm serving up in terms of copy, you know, is it a learn more CTA? So we've kind of optimized, mm -hmm. we spent some time optimizing for that. So I'm running a new campaign. I've split, uh, split the budget out manually. Uh, and we've decided that we actually just want to test a hypothesis here as well. Is it an Instagram feed and explore 
like ad set or is it uh, or ad unit or is it going to be a reels and story that's going to perform the best for us so i just need to bring this on my screen so i have a little bit more time i am paying attention to you guys uh what i'm seeing here uh no surprise is my cost per clicks are you know significantly higher here uh our cpms uh are very expensive on feed but in line with um in line on our stories and reels so this is like the second day of running it i'm not worried about this but what i'm seeing on like the first few thousand impressions mm -hmm. is in line what i know of the platform if i want to be on instagram only it's going to be a more expensive cpm but the propensity like for certain brands is that the propensity to click or learn more or buy can be higher than just facebook facebook as like everything if you let it put the ad to wherever it needs to go you'll get a lot of clicks there'll be super efficient clicks but you might not get that lower funnel conversion metric that you're looking for depending on you know the business or, or your objectives uh but i'm happy with this this is um you know really good like as a start but this is me going out and testing okay i've i've done a lot of work to figure out you know who this audience is we've gotten over a thousand of this metric I want to build a lookalike audience for. I've now created that lookalike audience. Let's go see how this performs in, in market. So there's a lot that can be done. We can then kind of take some of that data if we're, we're seeing, hey, this worked, we can now build other ad sets with it. So there's a bit mm. of, you know, a back and forth between, hey, we've, we've tested creative, we tested audiences. Now we're going to take that, create a best of class, run that, take those learnings, and then do something else. Like you're kind of always ebbing and flowing between, hey, we've tested this, we've learned this, we're now optimizing. And then you kind of test and learn from there. You're always kind of adapting. And whether that's adapting content, uh, either in the actual creative of the ad unit, you know, CTAs or landing page experiences, you're always trying to figure out what those variables are. You normalize for them, knowing that mm -hmm. there's certain things that are gonna be the same across. But then when you make changes and you see, you know, kind of what's working, that's when you, you know, kind of up into the right, figure out, okay, now we're going to do that again. Yeah, everybody wants to end up there. Very quick yes or no question. And again, zero experience with that. So it's a rookie, rookie question, probably. Um, but, you know, from, it's probably impossible, right, to take a, an audience from Facebook and then ask Google to do a lookalike on that. Uh, what about Instagram? Is it more integrated now with the, you know it being the same company? Are they allowing you to take you know learnings from Facebook and then go find those same people or similar people on Instagram and do like a look alike but more visual? It's it's, it's the same product, right? So whether I'm you know targeting like when you're on Meta or Facebook, you know business manager, ad manager, you're determining your look alike audiences. Your data is is like overall and then you know if you split it out to say only instagram facebook is only going to target the people on instagram Got you'd it. also go and say hey listen i want to build an audience you know i want to build me an audience for everyone who's only engaged with an ad on instagram or my instagram account whatever and then from there you build the lookalike audience right so you can go out and create uh and, and carve out those audiences each platform's a little different. Like, you know, TikTok is its own thing and is very new. Um, you know, they have very different targeting parameters. Same with Snapchat. I 
don't know anyone like Twitter is a bit of a joke in terms of its <laughs> ad relevancy and how its ad platform works. It's a whole other beast. Um, Google is pretty great. I love, I love Google. I, I, and I love Facebook, what you're able to do with your first party data to ingest an email mm -hmm. list, to bring mm -hmm. it in and then build lookalike audiences or to set up integrations where when I add an email, I can add that to my Google remarketing list or send automatically have an integration between Klaviyo and Google. So you can do a lot. And what that will help optimize against is, you know, if you're doing retargeting campaigns, if you're doing, you know, whatever these things are to be able to create audience signals and, and have data on Google uh, is extremely helpful. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of great tools that are available, mm -hmm. most of them for free that are integrated into the platforms you're already using uh, to help remarketing or to help you bring and create audiences on both platforms. I, I didn't realize that that was possible. So thank you for, thank you for educating and explaining. I did, you know, it's uh, definitely a lot of work, a lot of components are going to, but that's probably why you should probably reach out to a person like Paul, instead of trying to do it yourself, you know, while sitting yeah. in the warehouse or, you know, trying to, uh, make a product. I know we have maybe less than 10 minutes. So I, I want to make sure we, uh, you know, we, we capture, you know, <laughs> the most value out of it as we can. Um, uh, and wanted to ask you really this last, last, you know, big question, which is what are some of the biggest themes or lessons you've learned, you know, from working with companies like No Days Off and Rally Beer and Urban Beer and Basic Maintenance and probably a few others in the past and, you know, companies that you're, you're looking to onboard, you know, with, with your new agency. Um, talk to us about, and it doesn't have to be, you know, ads related. We can go as high level as you'd like, you know, it could be marketing in general, could be, you know, email, could be advertising, could be, you know, just the way that, you know, brands should be operating and, and growing, um, uh, you know, their sales. But talk to us about, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned throughout your career, uh, you know, in marketing, working with so many brands? What are some of the things that pop into, you know, into your, into your head? I think broadly, broadly speaking, a lot of people are are scared and frightened uh, for their job security, the health of their business, all those things. And that means like a marketer at a big five bank or a lottery corporation, whatever that is, or Nike hotels. Like a, like a lot of people, uh, you know, are, are really focused on what's in front of them and to get them to commit to a brave creative idea or to make an investment is an uphill battle. Um, I think a lot of marketers, client side agency need to just like kind of level set and be like, listen, like the only way this is going to work is if we focus on being successful together. This isn't about, you know, I sell a service. I take money from my clients that goes, that's my paycheck. And I've been in professional services my entire career. So agencies and people at agencies need to understand their paycheck is signed by the KitchenAids, the Whirlpool brands of the world, not like that, like, oh, publicist group or wherever you've worked is, you know, so benevolent, they're giving you money. That money comes from somewhere. And on the other side of that transaction are the clients that need to understand, okay, like you have to have some trust. So when I come to you and I say, I'm not going to take your money to go advertise because your infrastructure is broken. I truly mean your infrastructure is broken <laughs> and I'm not going to take your money until you fix it because in six months you're going to fire me because it's not going to work. I've been on the other side of those conversations like multiple times. I'm not willing to compromise my work product and the work product of my agencies, my vendors, like and my reputation on doing bad work i'm too senior i'm too far along in my career to just go get along to go along or whatever the saying mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. there's there's this 
trust that needs to happen. Trust can, can take time. Um, but you have to, you have to, you have to find that. Uh, and if you don't trust your partner, you're in the wrong relationship and you need to get out for both parties sakes, because no one's going to be happy. You're never going to be happy with the results. Um, I think you, it's tough because it, it's both parties at fault here. Like this is not a client issue. This is not an agency issue. This isn't a vendor issue. This is, you know, everyone's kind of have been in a consensual hallucination about this, this for so long. Um, I, I think being a marketer today requires a lot more courage than people really give marketers credit for talking to your customers about raising prices is hard. Uh, but it's harder when your business goes belly up. So, you know, what's the, the lesser of two evils here? Mm. Um, I think, I don't know where I'm going with it. I'm just like rattling off, like just stuff in my head. Um, the, the big thing for me that I think marketers and, and clients all need to, to kind of understand today is you have to try something. And if you want to be successful in 2022, 2023, 2024, it's not about a single channel ROAS. It's not about you know, like pouring money into media and trying to have like an 80-20 working dollar to non-working dollar ratio. Those ratios don't make any sense anymore. They should have died in the 80s. We live in a world of fragmentation on media and in creative. You have to embrace it. You have to find different ways to invest your media dollars to get smarter. That means more first party data. How do you get that? For D2C brands, it's looking at companies like Disco Networks and being like, okay, like there's a post-click experience play mm -hmm. here. There's proprietary audience data that, you know, that they're going to be able to give you. But guess what? You're going to have to pay for it. So take money out of your media budget. And if it's going to be 30%, you know, if your campaigns now all of a sudden generate a higher AOV, a lower cost per acquisition, all of a sudden you're sitting there being like, oh, my media dollars are more efficient. Oh, it's paid for itself. But people can't get their minds around having to pay another fee. But what they don't realize is by paying that fee, getting access to first party data or having different ways to acquire customers is going to make them more profitable and help grow their business over time. Um, I think infrastructure, I can't speak to this enough. Looking at your, your e-commerce stack and saying, how are we doing this? A, a platform like Rise AI, it's like, oh my God, why am I going to spend $2,000 US to do gift carding? Well, guess what? When I can integrate Rise with Klaviyo, when I can automatically generate a gift card and email it out and put it into a Klaviyo flow, I can do always on lead generation at a really defined you know, cost that I can model out. And I could then acquire a customer for 26 hours, whatever that cost is. And if I, my AOV is, you know, 120, 130 bucks, oh my God, I'm profitable on the first sale. That's amazing, right? So it's like, you have to kind of think of these experiences, these customer journeys um, as, and and the, the infrastructure you need to purchase and finding those best in breed tools to enable that, whether it's a, a composable, uh, e-commerce solution, whether it's a monolithic solution like Shopify with all the apps built into it, you know, there's, there's a lot. And then, you know, the layer on top of that, and this is where the complexity of my job, it's not a brief about do a radio or print ad anymore. It's 
you know, how are you going to build an e-commerce experience and then go sell this product? Well, everything in between is what we have to focus on now. Um, so embracing that complexity, you know, not being fearful of it, but understanding there's work to be done in each of these buckets uh, and just going out there to do it, I think is kind of the the Cole's notes of, of what we have to do as marketers today. Embrace the complexity and and tackle it. That's it. That's all you can do. I'm looking at the clock and I know I'm terrible at keeping time. So I, I want to make sure I get you out of here on time. Um, what's the last thing you want to talk about? You want to share with, with, with the audience about elementary ventures? You want to talk about, you know, old foes? Uh, anything else you want to kind of leave the audience with? Maybe where they can find you? What they, what are you looking for uh, in terms of the ideal client? I'll, I'll give you two minutes to talk about whatever you want. and then we'll wrap up. I think a lot of people want to hear successes. Elementary ventures objectively is a failure and in the best way possible. I got my teeth kicked in for the last three years, you know, leaving the comfort of Deloitte Digital where CMOs would pick up the phone. Hey, it's Paolo from, you know, Deloitte Digital to, hey, it's Paolo from Elementary Ventures. Click. No one wants to hear from you. You go out on your own. It is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And I have the utmost respect for it. I made way less money than I ever thought, but it brought me on a path to writing my first angel check for a company that might do amazing, might never come to fruition, but I did it. Uh, you know, I raised some money, started doing a little, little private family office uh, with my cousin and turned it into a holding company and now take on these consulting gigs where it is profitable and it is returning. And it took three years to get there. You know, it, it, the, the plan for elementary ventures was one thing. Three years later, it's completely a different mm. thing. And I've never been happier you know, with, with what we're doing. And so I think as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a lot of people get discouraged, but the only advice I have for you is the moment you give up is the moment you fail. It's like investing in the stock market. You know, the moment you sell a stock at a loss is the moment you realize that loss. If you keep at it and like, you think of like the S and P 500, it's gone up over you know the last hundred years or whatever, right? It's like, yeah, you have down years. You're gonna have like highs and lows and you can only measure yourself against your lowest lows to your highest highs. The moment you sell at a loss in yourself or in the market is the moment you actually lose. So mm -hmm. I'm not here to give like the investing advice, but like the <laughs> analogy stands, like don't give up on yourself for your dream. Um, you know, Jared and I, my partner and foes are super lucky that, you know, we got to bring a lot of the clients we've been working with over the last like 12 to 18 months with us to foes. Um, it's a labor of love. It's the hardest work you're going to do because we're not interested in taking someone's money to run Facebook ads. We're interested in helping grow and scale their business as partners. And we have to have hard conversations with them. We're not the cheapest. We're, we're expensive. We're two very senior guys with a network of very senior people that we work with uh, on, on a day-to-day -day basis. But, you know, we want to help grow and scale businesses. We're not looking, you know, to, you know, get rich quick or whatever. This is a labor of love. And it's something where the ideal client for us is someone who has a business that's operating, that has found product market fit, that's looking to hone in and refine their, their marketing efforts, whether that's through CRM, paid media, or to have like a holistic marketing partner 
that's run the gamut before we bring, you know, that client side experience. Jared was like a senior director of marketing, led marketing at Second Closet before it became Volt Logistics, but comes from an amazing CPG uh, background at Weston Foods. And I've led $16 million campaigns for like hotels.com and, and worked on running gun projects for Nike and was a part of the well-greased machine at Tim Hortons doing, you know, campaigns for a month, you know, POP out of home, all that jazz. So we bring a unique experience uh, to the market. We found D2C to be a really fun and, and exciting place to work. So, you know, if clients are, are, are interested, if they have a, a business that's cash flow positive and uh, <laughs> can, can pay an existing, you know, to, to pay, pay, pay their way, then, then we're happy to have a conversation. Paul, and I can attest to your abilities and we just share the link to your LinkedIn. So, you know, if people are you know listening or still listening, it's been an hour. Wow. Uh, the time flew. But if they're interested in connecting with you, uh, there's the link. And I so much appreciate your time and, you know, you sharing everything uh, that, you know, with, with me and the audience. Uh, it's been terrific to have you on. Thank you so much, Paul. Awesome. No problem. I think Kativa was a bit bored by the, the conversation. So she's going to go get a big treat and uh, go for a walk now. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Paulo. All right. Take care.